title of this morning's Dharma talk is, topic actually, is gossip. Gossip. Back, ta- back channel, is it? Uh, palaver, 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 is that it? Palaver. Yeah, palaver. So, we all know kind of what that is. A lot of extra talking language. The plus side, it's uh, socially, uh, it, it helps bond us together as communities and so on. So, there, it has its upside chit-chat about things, small talk, as they say, uh, but can also be uh, difficult and can cause harm. Even though the intention wasn't to do that, it can cause disruption because someone hearing something that someone else said about something else and something else, uh, th- that tends to get mixed. As I talked, I think, yesterday about, uh, what was I talking about? Remixing thoughts. Huh? Remixing thoughts. Remixing thoughts. We tend to take the thoughts that come in instead of just using that, then we mix it up with our own ideas, our own interpretations, and so on, and so it gets, it becomes quite a, uh, a patchwork. So even the Buddha, the, in the early days, Anguttara, Nikaya, uh, talked about uh, right speech, samyak, or correct, complete speech, and if I can remember them, there's five marks there, um, true, um, timely, gentle, um, purposeful, and um, with a mind of loving kindness. So this is a sounds like a Mahayana path to me. Yet he was uh, he was a uh, the founder of the Buddhism Buddhist path. So so you know there's all kinds of ways this can this uh, this idea of gossip can show up. Uh, the word gossipy is about something where it seems to be there's a lot of extra talk about something just for someone's uh, entertainment or for uh, you know. As I said earlier, as a social bonding, you know, being with somebody and hanging out and having a good time. There's not, there's not like there's something that needs. Oh my gosh, we need to correct that. But I would say in our in this monastery where people live as temple residents, monastery residents, it's pretty much at a minimum here. We don't really find a lot of that. We find some, but not much. A little bit. There might be quite a bit going on that I don't know, even know anything about, and that's fine. If it doesn't reach me, then it's probably not too bad. <laughs> I have big ears. <clears throat> Do I have big ears? <laughs> so you know, we can have a, we can have questions about this or discussion. So it's not so much about making someone you know, stopping that. It's uh, and it's about not even with ourselves. The way I teach this is not so much about to stop doing that. It's be aware of when that starts to arise and notice how that functions. And that way you can use it as a as a Dharma gate, it can be a, an entrance for you to use your awareness of that to see uh, all the way around it, to see the way in which that arises. Get rid of, uh, get rid of it too soon based on the concept, based on the, the naming of it. Oh, that's gossip. Well, I can't do that. That's gossip. I'm not saying that. I'm saying if it, if it tends to come up and you notice it or possibly someone else uh, points it out to you, say, or, or maybe you notice that the person you're, uh, shall we say, gossiping with uh, is not helping you by you know hanging on your every word or might be uh maybe turning away a little bit or dropping their gaze a little bit you know it's just a way of so that you, you can be helped to see that uh that kind of uh chattering and in, in, uh, in our uh in uh, my t- my uh, first teacher chogyam trungpa rinpoche used to talk about uh, subconscious gossip you sit on the cushion look at the wall you have using the modern psychological term subconscious you have a gossipy kind of quality is happening in the in the 
uh, mainstream ideas about this and that. And they're just quite often it's just something to fill up the space and entertain us in some kind of way. So this uh, might also be one of the reasons that, <clears throat> you know, especially in the Tibetan tradition, that there uh, is a lot of uh, secrecy in in the teachings. Uh, you can't just maybe now you can you can just about find everything on Amazon. But in the previous times, even when I first began this uh, path uh, many years ago in the early uh, 70s, um, you couldn't find any, out anything about anything. You, you know, you'd be in one room and next door there are lots of bells and whistles, not whistles, but bells and drums going on in the other room. And you'd say, what is that? So that's just another practice. Yeah, but what are they doing? He says, well, they're just practicing. They're doing another practice. Kind of, and you, could, you knew that you were being kind of dismissed. <laughs> Uh, but then also your inspiration around the practice was to, well, you're here to practice. You're not here to argue with what's being done. So we'll just go along with it. So I did. Eventually I found myself doing that kind of practice, ringing bells and uh, playing with little hand drums and so on. When I say playing with it, I don't mean to be dismissive. I'm just saying using that as part of your awareness practice, using that as a, as a, um, uh, a part of the ancient technology that the Indians, uh, ancient Indians, Tibetans, people in the... Uh, Nepali people, all the people in the, in the Himalaya area, along with the ancient indigenous uh, shamanistic uh, path of uh, Pern, or B-O-N with an umlaut over the, over the O. And I think it's pronounced Pern, but you can correct me if you like. Or we could just gossip about it. So the idea there, uh, I think, was maybe to uh, keep that from getting out of hand, so that when people did focus on it, there, there weren't you, there wasn't a lot of gossip around. Well, who's doing? Why are they doing this? Why do they use a, lar uh, a larger drum? Or why to uh, should I be doing a Vajrasattva practice or Chen Rezig practice? Or which one of these should? Uh, why are they doing this and I'm doing? You know, and it, uh, so uh, my idea there, my understanding of it, looking back over the many years, is that uh, not helpful to chit chat or chatter gossip about the different forms. Uh, it it's makes it more difficult for us, for us to actually practice a form if there's lots of chatter about that and, and uh, evaluation based on anything. Um, the, I don't know, for those of you who may have heard of uh, uh, Dorje Shugden, any of you heard of Dorje Shugden? Well, that's good. The gossip didn't reach as far. So Dorje Shugden, Dorje Shugden is a, you can read about it. Uh, it's a, it's a, uh, I don't. I really don't know how to describe it without actually using a bunch of gossip about it. But it's uh, some aspect of the teachings that it came out of centuries ago, where this particular uh, deity, this deity yoga, is supposed to be superior or something. And this is something His Holiness Dalai Lama does not agree with particularly. So um, I won't go any further than that. You can just remember write that name down. And you can look it up if you want to see what has happened there. Uh, why that's why that's a it's. Um, not that there isn't some kind of truth going on, but it's harmful to go in and, and disagree. And, and uh, just like on Twitter, Facebook, and all these new modern things, you can go on there and just say anything about anybody. It's extremely heavily gossipy kind of material. Uh, we see all kinds of things about, about teachers being, uh, especially in the Me Too movement, we see so many things happening where, where uh, teachers are accused. And just because someone's accused, even though there's several people doing it, doesn't necessarily mean that what is being described has happened. It also we don't go the other way. But we don't also don't look the other way and just assume, well, that's gossipy. No, it should be looked at. Had people talk about me publicly to others, 
And when I ask who, who, who that is, they say, I can't say, I can't tell you. So that's not particularly helpful to do that, to say something about someone and then pass it on to someone else and then it becomes gossip. Well, I can't really say who said that, but that's what they said, as if that's true. Makes it difficult. So in our, uh, in our situation here, everyone, I have, don't have a lot of students, but I don't know, but I have a couple dozen maybe at the most, probably, not very many. I don't want a lot of students, as you've heard me say. I get worn out even quicker. But each student is uh, treated individually in it and is working with their mind and with practices that, based on my uh, doing it, my years of experience, I uh, have people working with their mind in different ways. Some people are just doing shikantaza, just sit down, sit still, watch what moves, N nothing else. Some people are actually doing uh, a, a, a white tara practice or a form of uh, deity yoga. Some people are doing um, mantra repetition. And sometimes mantra repetition that we kind of invent or make up, not just something that uh, comes out of some kind of uh, strong cultural support. So, um, as you've heard me say, and as it says in the, the third of the, the the third of the pure precepts, uh, be with all things. Anything that arises, be with that. That doesn't mean accept it. That's not being with it. That doesn't mean reject it. That's not being with it. And that doesn't mean ignoring it or turning it away. That's not being with it. Just be with it. That's just about impossible to do if you're carrying a big baggage of me, 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 and me and my stuff, me and what I like, me and what I don't like, and my, you know, I'm right, they're wrong kind of situation. And and uh, when I say that, I'm also saying, as those of you have heard me speak before, I'm not saying you need to get rid of that. Needs we need to be aware of that rather than to. If you get rid of something too soon, you haven't really gotten rid of it. You've got it, gotten rid of the concept of it, and it can it can masquerade as. You can even masquerade as awakening. I've met people, perhaps you've met people who think they're awake. If you think you're awake, you are not. Let me help you out there. But thinking you're awake is just that. It's thinking, thinking that, it's thinking. Actual awakening is not. What's my next word? It's not too bad. Jason said actual awakening is. Well, I said actual awakening is. He said a frog. Is that what you said? Frog? No, you know, you said a thought. Oh, I missed that. You said a thought. It's not a thought. Not a thought. So actual awakening, what I was going to say, not to uh, make light of it, <laughs> what I was going to say is it's not separate. And so being not separate, you, you don't get anything. You get no credential. You don't get to be some special person who knows things other people know. If you think that you're awake and other people are not awake, this is a, it's, it's an understanding. It could be, could, be, uh, it could be something to that. You may have had an uh, insight or when the... Uh, Zen tradition is called uh, Kensho, or insight into your fundamental nature, your original face. You may have had a flash of that, and that flash could have lasted for months, days, weeks. Could even go longer than that, possibly. But it will fade. Everything that shows up fades. Our bodies show up, they're going down. Maybe not this year, maybe in 50 years. Awakening doesn't do anything. It's not an experience. Experiential has some experiential has some experiential qualities to it, but in it, it in itself, which is not even an it. And if you you think of it a different way, I'm fine with that. But practice another way. Don't, don't don't believe anything I say. I'm not here to convince you of anything. This is not a, something I want you to believe. Do something else. So any uh, at this point, any questions about uh, gossip? Yes. What's the payoff of gossip? Could be many things. Could be a feeling of belonging. Could be a feeling of sharing some, an interesting story. It could be not particularly particularly harmful to anyone, but it could be just something we're chatting about. Not too much of that happens here. A little, but not much. 
I'm saying in the monastery. Yes. So how did how would we distinguish between gossip and passing along accurate, important information? Say more. That following will say more. Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying about was a complete speech the five qualities of complete speech. Yeah. Uh, and the first one yes. you said was true. Is how it true? We, how do we know what is true? If, if you don't know if it's true, don't don't open your mouth. Say it. I think we have examples uh, in this day and age of people who yeah. who say whatever comes into their mind, and there's no chance to yeah. rebut it on the spot. And some people take that as truth. I know. That's how fascism got started. Lies. More. Well, I, I, I just get a sense of anxiety when I can't seem to determine what I guess what to believe okay, and what's so, true. And what so the determining part uh, is, uh, is too quick. The determining part is something that the self-centeredness wants to know so that it will be right, so that there's some kind of reverence point. Uh, and the wisdom mind does, is not concerned with uh, uh, true and false in its relative, because what's true today is going to be false tomorrow. It's always shifting back and forth. The very nature of relative truth is to, it's like square dance. So it's not, and it's not that one side isn't really true right now, and then later on that will dissolve and something else will be true. But the best thing, when I say best, I'm just saying to consider this, uh, the most uh, complete, the Sanskrit word for this for uh, right speech is samyak, or complete or thorough. It doesn't mean right as opposed to wrong. It means a thorough, thoroughgoing, really seeing everything. And the only way you can really see everything is to not be particularly seduced by your thought patterns, which drag you off into some kind of artificial or, or um, artificial or um, 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 temporary uh, truth. Seems to be true. I'm, I'm going to go with that. Don't go with anything. You'll still be here. Don't have to believe it. Don't disbelieve it. Don't look away. And then the very, the very nature of the situation, which you are not separate from, will carry you into it uh, in an appropriate way. So what was the, um, I can't remember, the five, true, is it true? And then uh, timely. timely, and is, it, is this appropriate time to bring something up? So timely would be, you know, if you don't have to say anything, don't say anything. So if you have something to say and you notice, you just look at the whole situation, and if you look at the whole situation, then that thing that was arising We'll, we'll see if there's a space, if there's an openness to, to bring that topic up, or if not, there's, there are things that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time that there's not been an opening for it. That's why I always say, ask me questions about everything. Don't hold back so that the, the so that, because we, I always do this mutually much as I can. I sit up here and give a talk, which I'm not too sure how to do that. I certainly couldn't teach a class on public speaking. Yes. So what were those five? Anybody write yeah. them down? True, timely, gentle, gentle, purposeful, purposeful, and mind of loving kindness. Yeah. So, not a bad thing for the Buddha to say 2,500 years ago to to his 16 uh, year old uh, recruits. Yes. What does it mean to have gentle speech? The way I would talk about that, I probably wouldn't use that word. I would just say less is better, and wait for the period. It's so when you're talking with someone. You're, just wait for them to stop talking. You could wait for the period at the end of their statement and even wait a minute after that. You're, of course, you're running a terrible risk. They're going to keep talking, uh, you know, which would be really, <laughs> I mean, my goodness. You could change your body language like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm ready to respond. Uh, but, or you could, you could actually, what, risk it and just let them allow that space 
and see it would be gentle because there would be no no aggression in your response. You may say something, you may not. If you watch someone's facial expression just before they begin to talk, it's like they, they leave and they go into another world and then they come out with speech. Everyone here, not accusing you of anything particularly, but everyone here has a, a has a what do they call them tells in poker they call it a tell when you're when you're thinking about something you know about those <laughs> yes can we speak without leaving uh it's possible michael are you saying that gossip and actual true talk are just the same or would be better to say not separate well fundamentally things are not separate before we but before we go to the ultimate nature we might need to work in the relative area a little bit. Just like, you're already awake, so why meditate? Well, that's because you don't realize what awakening is. So you, we have to sit down and watch delusion over and over and over. That's what the Buddha did. He looked at delusion, saw what it was completely. This is what we call awakening. He didn't go to another, he didn't abandon delusion to go to something else. He stayed with the delusion, saw the delusion, and this is what I, as a, a Dharma teacher, I'm asking you to do sit down and be nuts, be crazy, sit, hold still, hold very still so you can see the mechanics of insanity. And I'm not accusing you of being insane. You might be insane <laughs> or you might be accusing yourself. Yes. Um, just coming back to the idea of gentle speech. Yes. Does gentle speech have to be um, the opposite of aggressive speech? I would say we have to use relative words or anytime you say anything, you have its opposite automatically or right away. But I think it's just about being with, don't miss much. Watch if you're talking to a particular person, uh, watch their body language. When I say language, I'm not saying there's any, like some kind of meaning behind it necessarily, but and then see if they're hearing what you're saying. See if what you're saying, uh, you have to badger them about it. If they're, if, they, if they're not, if their body language is, starts to droop or something, then you could you know, you just end your conversation. You could say it several ways, say, well, I've got things to, you're in the monastery, I've got things to do, I'll talk to you later. Just leave. Yes, sir? What is the relationship between gossip and authority? Mm -hmm. There's a list, I didn't notice that before, about the advisories as to not uh, gossip, dharma gossip, uh -huh. without speaking with you. Yeah, and I'm the authority. I think the idea is that we need to have some kind of guideline or some kind of uh, touchstone, just like we need a wall to sit in front of. We need to wear clothes. We need to have some kind of what's commonly called, when I, when I say commonly, I don't know how commonly, but Trung Trungpa Rinpoche called natural hierarchy. And so uh, it's not natural hierarchy for someone to take charge and push people around. Uh, the unnatural hierarchy, military is a really artificial, unnatural hierarchy based on warfare on the belief that you have to fight anything you're opposed to it's a it's a painful situation but culturally we're just completely mired in it and so there's no way to get out of that and try to soften things up particularly even though there are countries scandinavian countries are less uh going in that direction but what we can do is we can sit down and train our minds and what you find in this situation i'm not saying this is true of a monastery in japan they are more culturally uh, Use the descriptive word. Hopefully, it's descriptive. Macho. Somebody's got to be in charge. Somebody's right. Other people are wrong. We don't do that here. So the you'll find you know, talk to the the people who live here and find out how authoritarian this person is. See, find out what that how that really shows up for people. Uh, 
I, I think that might be a better way to understand it rather than for me to give some kind of abstraction. Because it, it's like, uh, I, what I talk about is the way I do it. I say, don't do anything unless you have to, and I don't. If you see me doing something, I have to do it. And if you see me doing something, I didn't make a choice. It wasn't, it wasn't like, like, I don't decide to come in here and do this. If I could decide to do this, I'd stay home. Wouldn't you stay home? Well, more about that, uh, Joseph. It's a, it's a really good question. That's why I'm asking you. Can you, can you go in and go deeper with it? Or where you're, in, well, I, where you're coming there's from? There's a lot of different directions. I mean, one is the, the Facebook gossip. And, yeah. and uh, there seems to be a lack of hierarchy in the general, uh, how we talk to each other and, and how yeah. uh, there just seems to be like a dichotomy that people are very angry at each other. Like where, yeah. how, where is the hierarchy? Like, so that so that gossip is is loving. Yeah, are we specifically talking about Facebook or Twitter? I don't think we're going to be able to do much with that. That's, <laughs> I mean, you know, even uh, Zuckerberg is is off the deep end. He's just a very very uh, pretentious, immature uh, billion multi billionaire who's really smart. Uh, I don't I think he's deliberately trying to be mean. You know, like most billionaires aren't trying to be. They just feel totally empowered and, and uh, privileged. You know, they have it, you don't, and too bad. Also true of uh, uh, the, the founder of Apple, who is, interestingly enough, uh, we shared it's the same Dharma teacher. I don't know how much uh, uh, he, uh, Steve Jobs, actually learned from Cobancino. Uh, there's pictures of him, they romanticize it a little bit, but um, <laughs> if I know Coben, and I don't, but I probably know him a little better than Steve Jobs based on his activity. And uh, you could call this gossiping a little bit. I don't think Coben. <laughs> I don't think Coben would have. I think Coben would have said, "Don't do that." I happen to know someone who was uh, doing a lot of artwork, and I could even say his name, Shoho. Uh, and <laughs> Coben told him, "said Don't, don't exhibit. Just be a Sunday painter. Don't exhibit anywhere. Just, just paint pictures." Of course, that's the way Coben functioned. He, he didn't even wouldn't even let anyone write a publish a book of his talks during his lifetime. So, but the, that idea of authority is a very, very interesting area. It's, the, the, it's that the authority is there, but then how does that authority manifest? Uh, as uh, one of Coben's teachings, uh, as you've probably heard me repeat it, because I've repeated it many times, is get your own authority. You might have to work with a teacher in order to understand what that is. And you should work with a teacher who, uh, who did that or is doing that. Yes? Could you go a little bit deeper in why he didn't want people to publish? Him and why he would tell someone not to exhibit? Uh, I don't know. I mean, because I wasn't able to ask him. But my uh, my sense was, if there, if you're a, if you're a practitioner, then he might have had some some idea of what was happening with that person as a uh, taking the the big view of uh, beyond life and death, which he was able to do, and uh, it might have just been a suggestion. Maybe you could just be just be a Sunday painter. Don't try to get famous. Fame. Uh, best thing that ever happened to me from the point of view of the spiritual path is to be uh, not particularly talented at art when I you know, do okay but not very good that was good bad from the point of view of art good from the point of view of the spiritual path what was good about that um i didn't get all hung up in how wonderful i am and what a great painter i am and i'm part of this school and that school and my painting sell for you know thousands of dollars and so on that's what's good about it being sucked into the, the eight worldly dharmas of praise and blame, success, failure, that, that kind of, yes. Is, is that where Jobs was sucked in? 
I think he was, but you know, he, he, uh, and I wasn't there. So I'm speculating. You could call this gossip uh, other than I'm sitting here talking to everyone. So it might take on a little bit different tone. So I, I have to say with a preamble, I have no idea for sure, but there's, uh, there's a little bit of that, a little bit of that happening there. You had a question? Did it go away? Um, you said, I, I forgot it. I know. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a student of mine. You forget things. Go ahead. Paraphrasing, earlier you said practice is sitting at the wall looking at insanity. How does that cultivate sanity? Uh, I, I don't know if it, you could use the word cultivate, but what it does is that by sitting there and, and just receiving, receiving, receiving the, the mind that goes this way, the mind that goes that way. There are other ways of doing this. Some people teach. I taught for years. I was trained to teach, sit down, and the way I was taught, taught people, taught myself and taught people to train their mind is try to be a good meditator. In other words, try to settle down, follow your breath, and try to get as stable as possible. And I do it the other way around. I say, sit down and look at the instability. Stop trying to get rid of instability based on your ideas about it. Actually sit down, be genuine, be a mess. The only control, the only thing you can have any say so over basically is the, your body position. You can't go into your mind and do much. And if you go into your mind and do something and think you're accomplishing something with a the mind, then uh, that could be uh, very circular. In other words, why and because and why and because and why and because. Not wrong. There's also times when doing a very definite practice, I think, is important. And I have some people doing very, very definite practices. But I, I work with them on that rather than assign it to someone. I don't just assign it to someone and say, well, go do that, you know, like what happened to me. Yes. Uh, question from Sheldon down in Union City. He asks, is all conversation gossip? Quite a bit of it is. I know, I know uh, just to be, not to be confessional, but you and I gossip about stuff. Why did they do that? Why did they buy, why did they paint their house that color? That's terrible. <laughs> so, you know, we do some of that, but I think it's when it gets, when it tightens down into some area where it's actually, you're actually talking uh, about someone else or about someone where you don't really know the whole thing and you're being a little bit, you know, mean or vindictive or something like that. And I, I don't think we're doing too much of that. Maybe some. And again, this isn't so important. Don't correct that. If you feel yourself doing that, let it, let it function there for a while so that you can see it. Because if you're trying to get rid of it, this is just strengthens the ego. Someone who got rid of, rid of something, who no longer gossips. Um, I don't know what else to say. I wish I could say it more clearly. Yes. How can we look at the, the five... Um, Marks. Yes, of red speech without building up or reifying someone who is determining whether this is true or whether this is gentle. Yeah. So... Uh, uh, I think that part of it's a good question, and that part of it has to do with uh, one word, patience. So what happens is when we go in to look at something, we, we want results. We want, and, and if this gets too strong, this is what's called spiritual materialism. It's materialistic to want something else. So what we do is we, we use these concepts, these ideas, these marks that the Buddha spoke so many centuries ago, and we look at gentleness. We look at, uh, is it true? Uh, and we just look at the intentionality of the whole thing without actually going in and trying to get the, the concept to be correct. I mean, we're not talking about a rubber stamp situation where true, true, um, gentle, um, let's see, loving kindness, that's just, we need that stamp on there. So 
So I think it's that it's, it's, it's a willingness to be wrong. It's a willingness to to be in the area in the uh, in the kind of another world between between something that's uh, timely or not timely. You know, it's if you don't know if is this timely or not. You know, you you might you might uh, you might a lot that might tend to fluctuate a little bit. In other words, breathe. It might breathe. Things need to breathe. That's why we don't set up standards. That's why those who are setting up really intense standards to make sure nobody does anything wrong is a, it's just a misunderstanding. And the intention quite often is to make sure nothing that goes wrong, make sure everybody follows the rules. But if you do that too much, then you too much structure structure, then you have people who are have all the credentials and to, to help to do certain special education or something like that and do a terrible job. You're just good at getting credentials. Then you get somebody else who would be a wonderful person to do that kind of work, but they don't have the time, the education, they don't have the training, but they're a natural for it. They just would be natural. We don't have a structure in our society uh, to do that that kind of uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yes. If someone points out when we've been gossiping yeah. and there's embarrassment about that, should there be an effort to correct that in some way? I think I think that's a very relative, very subjective, actually. But if that if that happens, then that would uh, there's so many causes and conditions around that. First of all, if it's uh, if it's uh, uh, your mom, your dad, or if it's in a family situation, that's a whole different area. If it's in your workplace, that's uh, has a different kind of connotation. If it's someone that is actually functionally over you as a uh, a leader or guide, like if it's me, uh, and you've you've asked me to function as a teacher, which in your case you have. And I say, I rarely tell you what to do if you haven't noticed, uh, other than we have a strong form here. So, but if you come and, uh, and things are functioning in a way that I see uh, are not particularly workable in that area, I might say, I might say something to you about it. Then you would just receive that as a, of being uh, one, uh, someone helping you see what that is, especially in the monastery. The gossip level here is pretty low. I'm not saying it's not there, but it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't get very far. Yes. A uh, question from Anne Marie in Santa Fe. Yes. Uh, she asks, I am not understanding your comments about Steve Jobs, around Steve Jobs. Would you please share more about what you are meaning? What I'm meaning is, and this is g gossip because I don't know, but uh, I was saying that Steve uh, and, say, Shoho were both students of his. And Shoho was uh, still paints paintings, and Shoho was told, "Don't." And this is something Shoho told me, so it's not that gossipy. Uh, don't just be a Sunday painter. Don't paint. And I didn't. I have never met Steve Jobs, so all I all I get from uh, that situation is what gossip, kind of. Um, uh, on the other hand, there's a there's a quality there of uh, uh, knowing Coben, uh, of uh, feeling like he was helped quite a bit financially. By Steve Jobs, because Steve Jobs was, as we all know, was pretty successful. But my comment isn't so much to um, put him down or make him bad or something like that. He just got carried away with his his empire, and so that's that's my comment. There's other things I could be saying about it, but that would just be more gossip. And and I don't think he this was that Coben was necessarily telling telling him to yeah go make millions, you know, take over the world, be one of the biggest corporations that's ever existed. If, I'm, if you want to talk to me. Uh, if you wanted to talk to me personally about it, I might say more, because I, but I, I just want to gossip with you personally. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> so, 
And again, it's, uh, let me say this one more thing and then I'll, I'll, I'll respond to Shodo and then I think we have to go to a daily, daily Dharma gathering. Uh, but it's, it's not about stopping the gossip. You could use the, those five marks to kind of see when you're talking or when you're in a, where you detect some gossip, you could see, is it timely? Is it, is it true? Can you, can you, is there some truth to it? Is it partial? Is it, uh, you could add something that's not there that I would say to ask is look at your intention for saying thing, anything at all. But I often say, I'm saying now, don't do anything unless you have to. I wouldn't be sitting in this if I didn't have to do this. And I would do this if, if nobody came. I've actually done this when nobody's come. So, uh, is that different from saying that if no one showed up, you would go home? Well, I would, I would come and then I would, I might come in for a few weeks. And then if it was, if nobody came over, I'd give it some time. Uh, and then I would use that time to see what it feels like to sit here by myself. And think, I thought I was a teacher, but apparently I had no students. So I guess I'm not a teacher. Uh, I wouldn't be anybody to, you know, Cody would be in Traverse City, you know, or, or he'd be in uh, uh, Honduras with Brittany. <laughs> Honduras, don't go there. Um, so, you know, I mean, it's a, you know, I, I would give it a lot of room to see what it was going to do. It's unlikely that's going to happen, though, though it could. Uh, I have, I've had individuals actually leave, and some with explanations, some with just n nothing, just gone, no idea. What if the opposite, like this turn massive, it seems to me that that would be a problem to something being massive and keeping it spiritual. Hmm. I'm not sure if I'm following you. Uh, well, he said if no one showed up, but I think that's... Um, safer than if thousands of people showed up to listen to you or or yeah, I like that. anything that yeah, gets that's massive can lose its uh, yeah. sense and virtue. Oh yeah, that's I, that's a better statement than a question. That's just true. Yeah, I, I've, I don't want I don't want lots. I don't want, uh, th I, this is fine. We have plenty of room in here. These are enough people. But how can other things, how it, what's the equilibrium between reaching and helping and then it it the virtue it defeats the the origin that founded. Is there is it possible to have um, an equilibrium between reaching and to be like a positive change or that's not a something we should If I understand you I would say yes it's possible. I understand you. We need to go move to the next uh, teaching, the daily Dharma gathering, which some of some people are um, subscribed to, and some people are not. So it won't be; uh, it'll only be through the daily Dharma gathering. It'll be broadcast. But this talk, it's going to be on embodiment, embodiment, uh, which is something uh, opening the sense perceptions. Yeah. So, does anybody get a list of the sense perceptions? I sometimes forget what they are. <laughs> That's meant to be humorous. <sighs> And I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that are in the back hallway. We always appreciate and depend on your financial support. We also receive donations through PayPal and debit and credit cards. May you bear this kind of to all places so that we in every sentient